The Litro Lab Podcast. We Did It by Travis Sintel. Dear rest of the world, the amorphous, unattainable American dream has been attained. Mission accomplished. 235 years after one man laid out this dream, this right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, intensity denoted by capital letters, all 311 million of us got together and finally made the damn thing a reality. And it is awesome. You guys didn't trust us. We get it. Back when we knocked some heads, founded the country, and, you know, invented a whole new system of government, you considered giving equal rights to all citizens the equivalent of giving a homeless schizophrenic the keys to your car. Well, maybe we like variety. Maybe we like a little spice in our melting pot, and you certainly can't argue with results. We've kicked systematic tail for over 200 years. I know what you're thinking. Life and liberty? Please. Child's play. Sure. But what about the pursuit of happiness? Figure that out yet? No? Listen and learn. Life. Easy. You can't live if you're worried about dying. Even though the solution is obvious, it's worth explaining how we solved this issue, seeing as a busload of you still haven't sorted it out. Korea, Africa, Middle East, I'm looking in your direction. Back in the day, psychologist Abraham Maslow, American naturally, had this idea that humans can't even begin to live fully until physiological needs, air, food, water, sex, sleep, and safety needs, shelter, health, protection, are both firmly covered. Obviously, providing all of these for every single citizen would be an enormous expense for a government to incur, so our founding fathers searched for and discovered a more efficient way of outsourcing the fulfillment of all basic human needs. We call it capitalism. The basic idea here is that cash flow does what it wants and we let it. You want to make a product? Great. If people buy your stuff, you make money. If they don't, you go broke. The founding fathers called this concept incentivizing and it worked like gangbusters. Once we initiated this capitalist process, it picked up steam and really began cracking along on its own. What we saw were multiple companies forming and competing to sell the best goods at the lowest prices. Our job as Americans was simple, buy as much and as often as we could so as to ensure that good companies stayed in the game. Today, these corporations not only provide all of Maslow's basic requirements, but they manage to fulfill utterly necessary needs he somehow neglected to mention. Thanks to American companies, each and every citizen has easy access to food. The average McDonald's meal provides a full day's worth of calories for under $7. Clothes, a complete outfit at Walmart costs under $10. And delicious coffee, a grande peppermint white chocolate mocha at Starbucks is only $4.45. If done properly, feel free to use us as a model, capitalism will result in the consolidation of these companies into only a few key corporations, giving us the same nutritious food, the same stylish clothing, and the same delicious peppermint white chocolate mochas no matter where we are. This remarkable sense of comfort allows us to travel without fear, knowing that we will have everything we need at every interstate off-ramp and around every corner. Basic needs, remember, according to Maslow, equal the right to life. By embracing capitalism, we've expanded that right to life to every square inch of American soil. Now, creating the system isn't enough. You'll need to nurture it by giving corporations ample reason to stay and grow. For example, we've provided our companies with 
corporate personhood, which means they have the same rights as you. Well, not you, but me. The same rights as me, an American. We've also loaded our tax laws with loopholes and breaks that provide these corporations with windfall profits and little to no taxes. Then they pass these profits on to the American people in the form of cheaper prices, sturdier clothes, more delicious coffee, and more calories per bite. So you see, we simply don't worry about survival. And thanks to our legal system, we've ensured prosperity and safety for the rest of our lives. The rest of the world, especially those in starving nations, you listening what used to be the USSR, could learn a thing or two about perpetual stability from this remarkable economic model. But what about murderers or people who threaten the well-being of our citizens? Well, we solved that with a little invention called the death penalty. This remarkable creation, developed by a few pioneering plantation owners in the South, is what is known as a deterrent. We Americans are rational actors, and we understand consequences. As a result, we have the lowest per capita murder rate in the world. Source, Glenn Beck said it once. No one here has to worry about dying, from unborn children to terminally ill patients who erroneously think that they want to die. I could go on, but as you can see, we've effectively removed all worry about basic survival, giving every American citizen the full right to life that they deserve. It really was that easy. Liberty. This one was also a cinch. Since the earliest days of our union, we've been intent on giving liberty and freedom to everyone. Okay, not everyone, not before the 1960s anyway, but the vast majority of us since at least 1920. Okay, not the vast majority, but the majority. Now, when I say freedom as an American, it means something specific, and most likely something very different from what you might mean. To American ears, the word freedom means the ability to act however I want, live however I choose, and believe whatever I wish to believe. Crazy? Hardly. The first two categories are fairly straightforward. As an American, you are legally allowed, nay, required, to do whatever you want to do. If you want to shout, shout. If you want to make hummus, make hummus. If you want to have sex, have sex. As long as you aren't a homosexual, and as long as by sex you mean missionary position intercourse. I mean, we don't condone potentially divisive deviancy because any weakening of the social fabric threatens other citizens' right to life. Similarly, you can't make jokes about bombs in an airport or disparage a public official or show your genitals to children. Just don't make other people nervous. It's a, it's a common sense thing. The tough question is this. How do you allow everyone to believe everything? American belief is a remarkable construction, and it is one of the key components of our collective freedom. In the 1830s, Alexander de Tocqueville, not an American, clearly, visited this great nation and determined that, quote, one also finds in the human heart a depraved taste for equality, which impels the weak to want to bring the strong down to their level, and which reduces men to preferring equality in servitude to inequality in freedom. <laughs> This laughable quotation demonstrates his inability to comprehend the genius behind our concept of liberty. One simply cannot have true liberty if one is constantly worried about being wrong. True freedom is intellectual, physical, and emotional equality for everyone, and we have finally achieved this lofty goal. Today in America, ugly people have the same rights as models, women have the same rights as men, and we don't allow anything to threaten the personal beliefs of our citizens, no matter how ludicrous those beliefs may seem to elitists in other countries. 
We are constantly diligent on this issue. Not only are our personal beliefs stridently protected, but we have the legislative right to elect leaders who share them. For example, only about half of us believe in global warming, and less than 20% of us believe in non-theistic evolution, and it is our right to elect people who believe the same. We attempt to dismantle any perceived expertise, either by introducing conflicting theories in opposition, or by exploding innocuous details into scandal to bypass dealing with facts. We keep that playing field level. Anything that threatens the inherent, God-given self-worth of our citizens is systematically dismantled or outlawed. That is the role of government, something our founding fathers truly understood. Because here's the thing you foreigners must understand. If there are experts in society, then we are not all equal. And if we are not all equal, then we do not have liberty. And if we do not have liberty, then we have lost the American dream. The Pursuit of Happiness Here's the tricky one, the tease that got you to listen this far. Right, so how do you allow over 300 million individuals to simultaneously pursue their own distinct versions of happiness? Yikes. This one stymied us for a while, and we remained unsuccessful even after attempting to destroy everything we thought might threaten or dampen our personal freedoms. And yeah, foreign smartass, we tried the obvious, suppressing the stated individual needs of every minority community we could think of. Blacks, women, Irish, Mexicans, Italians, Jews, Native Americans, we call them Indians. Indians, Asians, the poor, the middle class, even Canadians, but nothing worked. Until recently. Ladies and gentlemen of the world, I'm happy to announce that, with the aid of emergent technologies, Apple, Google, Facebook, and Twitter, all American companies, we have sorted it out. It was a technology problem. <laughs> Let's back up and examine some of the problems we faced along the way. Pay attention, you need to hear this. For centuries, an individual's pursuit of happiness was inextricably tied to the well-being of our nascent nation-state. Our founding fathers, wise beyond their years, as always, recognized that as animals with full awareness of our impending demise, a core component of happiness is meaning. We want to be relevant. We just want the whole damn thing to matter. What the fathers realized was that all Americans instinctively funnel this need for meaning into enormous concepts like country, God, and family, and that we derive great satisfaction and personal happiness from sacrificing and subsuming individual desires to these concepts and others like them. Sure enough, every time America pushed the importance of sacrificing for country or for God, the economy boomed, and we bought Big Macs, and we kicked foreign ass, but deep down, we knew it couldn't last. Sure enough, over time, the tenuous system began to falter. Excessive transparency chipped away at our blind faith in government. Voluminous information weakened our belief in religion. Rampant media distracted us from our families. And as our big meaning with a capital M shrank to a lowercase existential search, we wondered how all of us could be happy with nothing to sacrifice for, with no surety of our own personal relevance. Trust me, we tried everything. We did our best to create clear, morally unambiguous enemies like those lucky bastards in World War II, but that was a wash because we're just too damn powerful to have decent enemies. We tried to focus on strengthening our country by splitting into two political teams so each side could constantly demonize the other, but this rang hollow after power shifted four or five times with no visible cracks. We even tried uniting against smaller concepts like drugs or graffiti, but we discovered that it's difficult to devote one's life to protesting hemp or spray paint. 
Our best effort in the modern era was when we shifted the focus away from universal concepts and toward the specific needs of individuals. We decided that without higher goals to devote our lives to, the only way to confirm that we mattered, that we had relevance, was through fame, i.e. people caring about what we have to say, or wealth, i.e. having the ability to produce a quantifiable impact on our surroundings. Initially, this provided the meaning we were searching for, and in the 1980s, this promise of fame and wealth bolstered our economy and our sagging pursuit of happiness. Uh, of course, deep down, we knew that this too was a temporary patch on an untenable situation. Sure enough, 15 years ago, Chuck Palahniuk pointed it right out. Quote, we were raised on television to believe that we'd all be millionaires, movie gods, rock stars, but we won't. And we're starting to figure that out. Oops. <laughs> busted. Over the course of 200 years, the pursuit of happiness condensed like a black hole, shrinking from overarching metaphorical concepts to separatist groups to pursuits of the individual. And throughout it all, we saw happiness slipping away into the event horizon. And then, Facebook. Whoa. A tangible method of quantifying our impact on the environment? A, a mechanistic tool to demonstrate our relevancy? And now, Twitter? Where we no longer have interactions, we have followers? We don't have to engage in discourse or, or back up our opinions. We can simply speak from our hearts, engaging our full arsenal of liberties in the pursuit of happiness. We realized that our cultural relevancy was defined not by years of sustained effort, but by writing that one tweet that would trend, or, or filming that one video that would go viral. So meaning, after being quantified, is now consolidated, made easier. Genius! We were simply stalling until technology provided the right answers. We sacrificed our lives for ourselves. We realize that we've been given the right to create our own meaning, and thus our pursuit of happiness is perpetually guaranteed. All we need is an iPhone and a reasonable data plan. It's $49 at AT&T, you guys. And yes, it's an American company. For the first time in the history of our country, we're all equals, and that's the secret to the American dream. Johnny All-American has access to the same blog spot as Jose Illegal Immigrant. Anyone can start a Twitter account. Don't know anything about politics or history? You can still be a congressional candidate. Don't have any reasonable skills, talents, or interests? You could be on a television show or, or a panelist on a news show. We do this to remind our fellow countrymen that it is possible, that it can happen for them, that there is hope. Remember, the American dream is not happiness. It is the pursuit. And as long as we have hope for relevancy, as long as we have hope for meaning, we have the pursuit of happiness. Mission accomplished. So there it is, the solution to a satisfied and empowered citizenry. Like an already solved Sudoku puzzle in an in-flight magazine, I'm sure this all seems blatantly obvious, but there are specific reasons why each of you has yet to figure it out. Africa, for example, hasn't sorted out basic safety issues for its citizenry. India doesn't have the core infrastructure for widespread technology. Europe is too caught up in the notion of individual liberties. Get over it. Trust me, if you focus on individuals, you'll lose the ability to provide liberty for everyone. Just look at us. A profusion of material goods gives us the right to a fully actualized life. Equality gives us the right to liberty. And technology gives us the ability to accurately quantify our relevance and thus pursue meaning and happiness. There it is. 
I've spilled the beans, let the cat out of the bag, but I don't imagine many of you will pay much attention. I'm warning you, ignore these hard-earned lessons at your own peril. If you want your country to have any real relevance in the 21st century, you have to begin changing the way you live. Happiness is right around the corner, but it won't just, you know, show up. You have to reach out and you have to grab it like we did. So hurry. I've given you the secrets and I've given you the power, but this advice won't last forever. Soon the gap between us and you will be too large to overcome because baby, we are on fire. Subscribe to Literal Lab Podcast on Spotify.